You are listening to The Pilgrim on the 405 with Will Christ. Join him as he and his guests discover how businesses thrive in California. Well, welcome to The Pilgrim on the 405. We have not quite an international call today, but an interstate call with uh, Jim Riley, who's sitting in his big pickup truck in uh, near <laughs> Kalispell, Montana, going to tell us all about his experience with a variety of great companies uh, and uh, his entrepreneurial journey. So welcome. Welcome, Jim. Well, th- thanks for having me. I'll apologize for being in the big truck. I'm trying to be like Grant Cardone or Andy Frisella. They're always doing these uh, podcasts from their cars. The re- the reality is I left Montana. I needed to get to California, and this ah. was the quickest way I can get there. So I'm in my car between here and there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So so tell us tell us about your – you. when did you move to, to Kalispell? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I've actually been in Kalispell the last two and a half years. I was a Orange County native, uh, worked for businesses down there, built businesses, started businesses, and uh, thrived and enjoyed the lifestyle. But uh, I waited later in life to have kids. And when I did have kids, I thought, you know, it'd be nice to raise them on a ranch with lots of farm animals and learn, you know, kind of the ways of the world. So we moved about two and a half years ago. Super. So, so tell us, tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, you know, I, I have an interesting story, Will, and, and I love to tell it. And I, I hope your listeners will be patient. I know we've got a little bit of time, but you know, my my story centers around at least my entrepreneurial story. It centers around, you know, kind of where I made a transition or a pivotal point in my careers. People that have known me for a long time know that I worked for In-N-Out Burger for many years. My brother was the CEO of the company for 35 years. He's still in the trustee. His sister-in-law uh, is the owner of the company. And I absolutely loved and adored everything I did there, but I got bored very quickly. As you know, if, you know, being a Californian, uh, the menu super basic, hamburgers and fries, and, and my marketing mind wanted to go beyond that. I was fortunate enough to go on a missions trip uh, through Mariner's Church there in Newport Beach down to Mexico. And I learned a lot about the needs of others down there, uh, specifically some orphanages. And I decided when I returned back from that trip that I'd make a transition out of my corporate life at In-N-Out and into more of an entrepreneurial life or a life of giving back. And that really started my journey of a few different business opportunities, a few working for others. But at the end of the day, it culminated into me starting a tequila company back in 2007 in which uh, we had some initiatives where we gave back to uh, not only the orphanages in, in Baja and in Mexico, but also the school system down in the Guadalajara area. So, um, it, you know, from, from tequilas to wines and beers uh, and, and consulting, I've, I've been across the board from an entrepreneurial standpoint, but it's all been centered around giving back since I learned that lesson early in life. Well, it, it's really significant to me that when I hear people talk about government being smaller, which is a, a kind of a, a mantra in many places here in Orange County, that at the same time, because of compassion, that means that we've got to get bigger in terms of giving back. Now, not, not, it's not giving back so much as it is sharing, giving, responding to the needs that are out there. That's a very significant thing. If people who have resources are not sharing those, then other people 
who feel that that need, they're going to be asking, how do we get the right resources? How do we get resources here? And so what, what I've been impressed with is there are people like yourself who are out ahead of the need and coming up with ways of, of meeting those needs. And I think that's really important for any successful business person. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I worked with my business colleague a couple of years. He was my coach, and then we turned into business partners on consulting and, and podcast guests, and that's David Meltzer, who's there in Orange County. Great guy, great influencer. But, you know, Dave talks about uh, the importance of making money as entrepreneurs, and it's not from a greedy standpoint. It's from the ability to give back when you find that success. And what we find in, in making money and helping others that it's, it's through us that that money flows onto others. And, you know, the dynamic of it, and Dave preached this forever to me, is that when you get into that zone, it comes back to you tenfold, which, of course, allows you to give back even more. And, yeah. um, and, and that, that's really what's allowed me to live in Montana, by the way, is helping others and this flowing through me and onto uh, to support other people. It's just a wonderful process if you can grasp it. Yeah. Catherine Ponder many years ago talked about that, that, that money is not a piece of paper. It's not even a, a coin. Money is an energy and it flows. And if, if you are in the place where you're open to that energy flow, then that energy, that money will start flowing through you. And you have a choice at that point. You either stop the flow by hanging on to it or you put it back. And when you put it back, then you're creating the opportunity for more energy to flow into you. It's, it's 100% right. And, you know, when people understand that, they realize that, that money really does not buy happiness. It allows you to help no, other people. Absolutely. I've known too many rich people, especially there in Orange County, that were not happy and they had a lot more money than I did. But, you know, th- there's no amount of happiness that can be bought that you can see on the faces of these kids at orphanages or in the school systems that we've been able to help programs, you know, buy computers and stuff like that. By giving that away, that, that is a feeling and an emotion that just can't be bought. It has to be learned. And um, you have to put the principle to work. Well, yeah, it, it, to me, it doesn't start with getting money. Money is a resource. Money is the energy flow. If you don't have money, you can start. And if you do have money, you can start. But both places starting, to me, means building a relationship. That's what you did when you were thrown into the orphanage in Mexico. You had to build a relationship or they wouldn't even allow you in the door. That's right. That's right. And, you know, those relationships are so gratifying. I've been involved with those orphanages long enough where I've seen kids that just arrive that are either infants or babies and followed them all the way through high school and off into college and in San Diego. And to be able to be a part of that through my business endeavors and know that we're making a difference. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. And you're right. You know, you, you have to have that m- mindset and do the work to be able to uh, be allowed to walk in through the front door to help them. And when you enter that relationship with them, it's not a I'm here to help you. It's I'm here to be with you. 
And and when we're open to that, then the next step is compassion. Yeah. It's, it's not a short-term conversation or a short-term visit. I mean, to have a real relationship, it means coming back time and time and time again to even begin to understand what the real need is, because the real need is not money. Yeah. It, it's it's not money. It's, you know, it's it's relationship. And out of that comes uh, that out of that compassion then comes the action, which who knows where that is. It, it could involve money. It could involve trips, it, all sorts of things it involves. But it's those steps that are so critical to me. Yeah. Well, what we try to do, and at least uh, I started a company back in 2017 called the Baja United Group. And basically what that was is an import company that imports beer and wine from Baja, utilizing the skills that I've acquired in the last 30 years to sell alcohol or spirits in the market. We brought this beer and wine up from the Valley of Guadalupe, which is an area where there is a lot of orphanages. And then uh-huh. the notion of this company was to import, make money, but create a sustainable stream of revenue back to the orphanages. So we committed 8% of all of our revenue to go back. That might not sound like a lot, but the margins are pretty slim in this, in this business model. Um, but instead of me going down there two, three, four times a year, dropping off, supporting, being involved, now I can create a sustainable long stream revenue source for them that they can build off of many, many years to come. And so now we're in our three and a half, four years. I guess you could take COVID out of the mix. That was the last year. But, you know, giving these people some sustainable support, it feels so gratifying as an entrepreneur to create a business plan around a sustainable effort, if you will. And I'm very proud of that, that work that we've been doing with that. That brings to mind the you know the feeding of the five thousand. You know, here's Jesus with his twelve, trying to find some place on the mountain away from the crowds, and just for some time to retreat. And out come five thousand people, not counting women and children, right? That Jesus had already known. He already had a relationship with them. They were he was either teaching them or they had been healed by him or they'd been they'd seen him heal other people here they come and out of that relationship jesus knows they're hungry mm-hmm. and he, he he turns he turns to 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 uh, to andrew and and says let's feed him and andrew says we don't have enough money we don't have money for all of that right which is the typical person who thinks in terms of solving things with money. We don't have enough. And so he turns to Andrew and says, well, well, how about you? And, and Andrew says, well, here's this kid coming up who is part of the crowd, right? Comes up with, here's two fish and, and five loaves of barley bread. And, 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 and uh, Andrew says, but that's a drop in the bucket. And he's thinking in terms of, we don't have enough. Yeah. And what you did down there, what you're doing right now is is similar to what Jesus did is he said, let's use what we have and bring everybody on board and let's see what happens. Yeah. And, and, and everybody by the way, got fed. that's right. And by the way, if people know the story and they understand the, the day and age of that story you just told, that bread and fish was worth 
an absorbent amount of money. Most people would never eat like that uh, because they, if if you read it correctly, they ate until they were full. And it's such a wonderful teaching and example of how we can do things for others and have abundance and and have enough faith in in who we are and and in one another. And that's what we're hoping to build with this orphanage. And by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't say my partner that helped me kick it off uh, in your your town there was Eric Morley at Blue Sea Marketing in Coastal Eric, he's a great guy. What a wonderful guy. It's interesting when you get good people together with the right uh, mindset to do something, what you can accomplish. And and I suppose for this show, that, that could be lesson number one. Don't be afraid to get together with some like-minded people. Take your restrictions off and create something special with your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. One of the things that I'm in, getting involved with right now is California Love Drop. That was uh, Eric and uh, Wing Lamb and Wendy Ellis yeah. and, and Charles Antis and all that crew. And, and you know, it, it was <laughs> Eric tells the story when COVID hit a year ago, March, all the restaurants, you know, 80 percent of the business was gone. And he said, so I got this phone call that night from from Wing. And he said, come on down to the restaurant. And so Eric went down there and there was like four people there with with Wing. And Eric said, well, what are we doing? And Eric said, uh, I mean, uh, Wing said, well, we're making tacos. And so how many tacos are we making? And he said, we're making 600. And Eric said, well, well, there's only four people here. How how can we make 600 tacos? And Wing said, no, they're going to be 10. And Eric said, well, where are they coming from? He said, you're going to pick up your phone and call them right now. <laughs> and that's yeah. how they that's how they they made those 600 tacos took them out to the hospital to the front uh, the front first responders and out of that came this every week taking food to first responders around southern california i i loved following that story from montana um i have a long history with wing back to the ski resort days i don't even want to mention the year but um you know, it's interesting when you when you talk about people like Eric and Wing and some of these Orange County people that are so fantastic in their works, they don't always get the recognition they deserve. I, I know Wing gets a fair amount of press, but at the same time, Wing does so much for so many people. And I know he's been blessed with a family and a business, but, um, you know, people should know how giving and caring these two gentlemen are that you just talked about. Yes. Well, well, and, and, and to me, that's a model of what entrepreneurship is. Not alone. It's not only look, mama, what I did. It's not look at the great me. It's look what, because of what I've been able to be part of, I have helped in the world. And yeah, you know, well, I want to talk about that for a minute because it's a good segue into something interesting for your listeners. You know, maybe you've got some listeners that have a business and and they're doing okay, but they're thinking about doing something else, or maybe they're working for somebody and wish they were entrepreneurs because, you know, you talk about these give back philosophies and the ability to help. And sometimes people feel stuck in where they're at. And what, you know, one of the things that I teach uh, as a business consultant and a coach is, is, you know, generate what your personal values are. Know what your values are, and based on those values, build your goals. And my values are in this order are God, family, health, 
so I can be a part of my family. Giving back, of course, we talked about that. And um, time, so I can do all those things. And then the last value is actually business. But when I start building my goals around those values, you know, business does play a role in that. And once I establish that role for that business, then I look at what I'm good at, what what resonates with me. And then I then I go about the task of writing a business plan and uh, figuring out how to monetize it. But it's always with those goals in mind. I want to encourage people as they hear the story about us, you know, about Eric and, and Wing and this orphanage work and the hospital work, that people can strive and be what they what they believe or what they what they want to have done in their lives. It's just a matter of getting started, being driven and given started. And, and you asked me in the beginning, you know, how long have you lived in Montana? Well, I guarantee you all my surfer friends down there in Orange County would never have thought I would live on a farm with 40 animals, including cattle and horses and rabbits and chickens and, and everything else in between. I was driven based on my goals for my family and what we all desired to do and have. And I built a consulting business around that because I knew I needed to disconnect from California, but be remote. And I started working with David Meltzer to build out my consulting business. And I will tell you, and we can save it for another show, but I've had the two most successful business years of my career. Uh And we were in the middle of COVID. If that tells you anything about following your goals, being driven, having a passion, you know, there's definitely value in that. But that's what entrepreneurs do, right? Entrepreneurs find a, a problem or, or they take a circumstance and they bring greater value to it. Sometimes it's solutions. Sometimes it's just increasing the value. But entrepreneurs do that. That's what I find so fascinating to work with entrepreneurs because they're always looking around for what's what's possible. And that's why I get so excited about talking to people about the solutions to the problems that we face and just digging around. I mean, last week I was talking to a, a fellow in the Bay Area and and he said, you know, we got a lot of power that we're generating. And he said, I, I used to own several uh, solar power farms and uh, I sold them. And, and so the cost of, uh, of generating a, a power from the sun and from wind is going down so quickly that it's not going to be a problem to have all the power we need, right? Generated in a very green way. He said, but the problem, and this is where he got really excited and passionate. The problem is we can't uh, move it around because of our infrastructure. And he didn't say, therefore, we're going to wait for the the region, the county, the state, the government, the federal government to come in and fix it. He said, you know, we can't really just build a whole bunch of, of, of towers because permitting process takes 10 years. Right. He said, so what what I have done with my new company is we've created a boring unit that will very effectively and efficiently bore through and create a tunnel for us to pull the cable behind us. And he said, we are also, we have become a, we have become a, uh, a utility. So therefore, as a utility, we got a right away, we can bore through without any permitting. He's taking his entrepreneurial 
uh, world and solving a real world problem. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, I, I talk to people about being the pick and the axe of any industry. You know, if you look back at the gold rush era, the people that made the money during the gold rush was the hardware store that sold the picks and the axes. And yeah. right now we have, we have businesses all over us that require pick and axe. I mean, look at the explosion of the cannabis business around the country, especially in California. Now uh, it's the guys that are selling the fertilizer and the hoses and the hoop houses and, and everything else that are making the money. The guys with the cannabis aren't making much at all. The margin's super small, but yeah. you know, we can look around as I did during COVID and, and look around and find out where the pick and the ax opportunities are. And I'd encourage people to do that. You know, as an example, where I live, it's small town. You know, I don't even know how low the number is, but you know, you run into your neighbor everywhere, but we have a, an employment problem with like mo most of the country, especially prevalent in the restaurants. We've got a lot of restaurants closed because of the lack of staff now different than, California, perhaps we don't have a COVID problem. We don't, we don't have mass mandates and all those things. So people aren't closed because the mandates they're closed because they don't have the staff because people are sent at home because they're getting checks for me. I'm going, okay, well, what is the opportunity in all these restaurants closing? Well, the opportunity in, in the restaurants closing as a project that I'm working on with the lo local restaurant owner is to build equity into the restaurant profit for employees to come in and make yes. money and, yes. and bring yes. them into the fold. All right. And, and, and I, I appreciate, I've heard that many times that, well, the problem is that they're getting checks. I think that's one part of it. We've come to the solution for what I think is at, at least maybe even more significant that 18 months of COVID allowed a lot of people to step back and yeah. ask themselves, well, number one, they had to take responsibility for themselves in a way that they hadn't had to for a long time. Sure. And, and, and so as when they begin to feel that, that agency, that efficacy, that ability, then stepping back, they had that time to think, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Yeah. And Amen. lots of them said things like, I don't want to be driving an hour into my office to an office and sitting there in a in a you know cubicle all day with no real benefit other than a, a, a biweekly check. Or I don't want to be uh, you know a, a waiter for the next six years of my life just going and and making you know a check every two weeks. And, and that means, and this is a good thing. Now, what the, what, what exactly what you're saying is that means that businesses must change the way that they are, the value that they bring to their employees. That change is going to be so valuable for everybody. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with all those sky rise building off, you know, those office buildings and the variety of cities you and I have both been around. Because you're going to learn that people can be as efficient from home. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was having a conversation with a parent the other day. The job market's such that they'll take anybody, you know, almost a warm body. And he says, you know, mm -hmm. my friend was didn't really want to go back to work. He's semi-retired. But it, there was a company that was hiring that he was interested in. So he called him and he says, hey, I'm willing to work three hours in the morning to go home for lunch to take my kids home from school and I'll come back in the afternoon and work three or four more hours. And I only want to work these days of the week. And by the way, I want to make three times the amount of money that you're offering. 
So if you want me, I'm available. No questions asked. They took them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, that's a pretty gross example of what might happen out there. But the point is, like you're saying, employers are going to have to find a different way for retention to build their businesses, to, to conduct their business in different ways than we ever have before. And I think that that actually will be quite exciting because yeah. I think you'll find yeah. more satisfaction in people. I mean, just using myself as an example, I'm working from Montana, living my dream with my kids. And um, I'm enjoying interacting with people in my old neighborhood, like yourself today and others, you know, so um, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds in this new post-COVID environment. Well, and, and I think what that really does is it helps people discover their agency, their ability to take responsibility for themselves which means they can take responsibility for other things as well. And it leads to the question of what is your purpose? Yeah. What do you really want? The thing that I'm working with called the entrepreneurial operating system, that's one of the bases for what we talk about is helping people get what they want. It starts off at the top with the leadership. What do you want? And, and it eventually gets down to everybody asking them, what do you want to do? You know, what is your unique value, your unique ability? Uh, and, and if it's not here, how do we find a place for you where you get to exercise your unique ability and get compensated appropriately? You know, work with people you love and, and make a great contribution and have that time left over to pick up your kids or work on yeah. those other things that are passionate for you to begin to reconstruct businesses around that. To me, it's, it's exactly the right time for EOS to be out there with businesses. That's right. And it goes back to what I was saying. Decide what your values are first, and then mm -hmm. you can start looking at what your goals are. You know, back in the day, you know, Carvel used to talk about, you know, having the ladder that you were climbing, but you got to the top and you found out it was on the wrong building. Well, yeah, that yeah, can yeah. also <laughs> that, that could also happen with your goals. You know, you might achieve the goals and you realize they don't align with your values. So maybe you got a big pile of money in your bank, but you haven't spent any time with your kids. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's important as we look at this new world of working that as employees or entrepreneurs, what our values are. And align those with what direction we go, whether it's with our businesses or the people that yeah. we want to work for. Well, yeah. You know, what I find working with businesses, one of the first questions we have to ask is, what are your core values? And, yeah. and they'll, they'll clear, get clear about that. And then what's your focus? What do you do well? What do you do better than anybody else in the world? And then what's your 10-year target or your five-year or your, what, you know, what's your big goal out there? And so often that starts off with a, 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 a figure of money, you know, $50 million, $150 million. And it's so interesting to me to see as they move forward through this two year, two year journey, they begin to move, are you, they begin to move from only looking at that dollar figure and they begin to say, Oh, but we also want to have a great place for people to work. Yeah. We want our yeah. people to be living this life. You know, it really changes their, their picture of why they are doing these things and what they're doing and what's important. And of course, when they start paying attention to every level of employee in the organization, productivity goes through the roof. 
Well, you know, there's a couple of companies out there that do that right. And, and your show's got 405 in the title. You know, In-N-Out Burgers corporate headquarters is in Irvine off the 405. And uh, you look at their values and what they've always focused on, which was the employee. Rich Schneider back in the day would say that that was his number one asset. And if you look at the the empire that In-N-Out has built, still family owned, you know, 25,000 employees, companies worth $5 billion plus, uh, based on values, you know, the importance of that. You've got Disneyland right down the road from the 405 also based on values and the experience of the guests there. You know, you've got a lot of people doing it right in Orange County and a lot of people trying to figure it out. And there's nothing wrong with looking at these leaders and following along and doing what they're doing. Right. We're in for a sea change in terms of business, in terms of, of how we solve issues and how we treat each other. Yeah. I want to touch on one thing, one more thing on my side before you wrap it up. I'm not sure how much time we have left, but, um, you know, oftentimes as entrepreneurs and business leaders, we find ourselves kind of getting caught in a rut and looking for a little stimulus. And uh, one little trick that I do from a business and personal life is I jump on this program uh, put out by Andy Frisella. It's called 75 Hard. And it's not for everybody, but basically it's a mental strengthening program that uh, it, it doesn't cost any money. So I'm not trying to sell anything here, but it's basically read 10 pages, nonfiction every day, take a self-portrait, two 45-minute workouts a day, one inside, one outside, drink a gallon of water and, um, and be on some kind of diet that doesn't include alcohol or sweets. And what I like about the program and why I bring it up is because it, it teaches mental toughness in ways that most people have not encountered if you haven't been in the military or played uh, semi-professional sports. And by putting yourself through a test of mental strength, and, you know, again, it sounds kind of a simple program, but it's not easy to remember to take your picture every day. Because, by the way, if you forget to do one thing, you've got to start over. And, I, and I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit. But it allows you to create some discipline in your own life, to focus on your business, to make better use of your time, to grow mentally by reading a book, to grow physically by being healthy and not eating bad or drinking and doing a little bit of working out, not only inside, but outside. You know how many people in the United States actually never touch the dirt? You know, they go from their apartment to the cement, to their car, to their building and back. They never actually touch the dirt. And, you know, programs like this are designed to strengthen us and get us in a zone where we could be at our maximum potential. And um, I've enjoyed the pro I'm on the program for the fourth time. The other reason why I'm sitting in my car and I apologize if the sound isn't the quality that you guys had hoped for today. I do have a nice studio back in Kellispell. I pulled over at State Line, Nevada. A uh, little business hack for everybody. McDonald's has free internet and they usually have better internet than Starbucks because nobody knows it and they're not using it. So I'm on McDonald's <laughs> internet, but I pulled over because I needed to get my second run in for the day. And, you know, that's the part of discipline that most people say, oh, I got to call at noon. I got to get here. I got to do this. And they start making excuses for themselves instead of learning how to do the work and have the discipline for it. So I pulled over, I did my 45 minute walk run out in the desert, cleaned up and got on this call with you. And the point is we can all do more with some systems in place. We all have the mental strength and toughness to do it. 
And that's just a little tip of something that you might want to consider is looking at the 75R program. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great because it's right in line with this whole notion of I have to take responsibility for myself. That's right. And and a lot of these excuses got blown away in 18 months. I yeah. can't blame my employer. I can't blame anybody because I'm the one that's got to take responsibility for this. Well, I'll be the first one to say too, you know, alcohol sales jumped up. I don't know, I think our <laughs> high was like 43% in the middle of the, the pandemic. I had to write a letter to um, the seltzer companies because I got, I enjoyed a lot of the seltzers last summer. I said, hey, by the way, uh, seltzer company, I'm going sober for 75 days. You're going to take a dip in sales in Kalispell, Montana. So, <laughs> so 75 hard is 75 days. Is that what I'm picking up? That's right. 75 days. They, they say you create a habit in two weeks, but let's seal that deal by doing a full 75 days. It's transitional. <laughs> and, and again, I'm not selling anything to program. I'm on my fourth go around and I, most of my life coaching clients, I tell them about the program and when they're ready to jump on it, they jump on. It. I've seen a lot of success through it. Well, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. I am so glad that you are happy in Kalispell. I started late in life and to be with my kids and to live a life that I mapped out for myself. It's funny, since the early 80s, um, I've been a big fan of Mark Victor Hansen. He's another Orange County guy. He wrote Cover uh -huh. Chicken Soup for the Soul. In 1985, I had a cassette tape of his when they had cassette tapes. And he said yeah. something that resonated with me. And that is, what you believe is what you will achieve. Yes. I have that cassette tape still on my office desk today. And I believe that mantra ever since. And uh -huh. what's pretty cool is, I, you know, I learned to write down my goals at an early age, and I always do that, is sometimes I forget that I've written them down. And I just believe in myself and what I'm trying to accomplish. And it's fun to go back and look at some of those goals and check those boxes. Like, yep, did that, did that, yep. did that, yep. Yep. working on that. And um, I would just really encourage people in their entrepreneurial lives and personal lives to write goals and know that if they believe it, they can achieve it. Absolutely. There was one point I had written down a, a list of 10 things that I wanted to see happen. And then I lost the paper. I, I mean, I did just got shuffled around. And three years later, I came across it. And you know what I saw, right? Every Complain. one of them had been accomplished. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. that there's, it's so powerful when you put something out in the universe that it will come back to you if you really believe that it can happen. This is not, you know, I know 20 years ago when I was younger or 30 years, well, a lot more than that, I guess, you hear these things and you don't put any weight to them. But when you get uh -huh. older, you realize the importance of what you put out into the universe will come back tenfold if you really yeah. believe in it. Yeah. And one of the things that I've discovered in the last six years is that words become things. Words become things. So you got to be very careful about what you say because it becomes a thing. That's right. And by the way, that's a good point. What you say in your own mind becomes a thing too. You know, we talk about no negative talk in your mind. And I think a lot of us fall victim to that. You know, I can't do this. I'll never do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong. Whatever it is, that negative talk will eventually you'll become that. And um, yeah. that, that's something I wish I learned a lot longer ago, too, because I might have even enjoyed more success if I'd realized that. Yeah. 
Well, that and that whole thing about what we say to each other becomes things. And mm-hmm. it, it, it changes our perception of things. And they actually become that. And so if if we are, you know, if we're being negative about other people, about, you know, they are doing this and they are this way, they will become that for us. That's right. And on the other hand, if we change that and to say, my job is to love everyone, to be open to possibilities, that, that I, I don't have to be threatened by anybody, you know, begin saying that to each other and that changes the world. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I love those principles. We can keep spreading that word around. This is going to be a great place. That's great. Listen, it's been wonderful, Jim, just to be with you. Thanks for stopping on State Line and uh, 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 being prepared. And, and it was a, it was a great time. Great to be with you. I appreciate you having me on. Um, love to, to chat further down the road and have you on my own podcast, uh, which great. is on my website. Live Life Driven is my website. And you can find my show there. But anytime I can stop and talk shop with somebody, it's worth the effort. Great. Well, invite me on. I'll be happy to be there. So this, this, this now is just one more example of how, in this particular case, businesses did thrive in California. And now they happen to be in Kalispell, but he's really still California and, and OC. He just <laughs> lives in Kalispell and probably making a huge Californication of Kalispell. That's right. <laughs> So take care, Jim. Wonderful to be with you. To the Pilgrim on the 405 with Will Christ. To hear more of the programs in this podcast, go to www.willchrist.com.